Welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thanks for joining us to lead, learn, and laugh. Learn market knowledge and best practices to lead your company's success. And that's whatever type of company you work with and laugh. I believe we have to have some fun along the way, right? Well, hello, I'm Michael Bull, your host to the world of commercial real estate. Well, today we're going to explore mixed-use development in the new economy. As the recovery grinds forward, retailer and consumer behavior has adjusted. Residential tenants and buyers' needs have also changed. And lenders, what do they think about mixed-use? Commercial real estate is certainly evolving. Should mixed-use be a larger part of our future? We have some big questions ahead of us. You know, are cities adjusting zoning for developments that actually work in the new business world? Are tenants open to the benefits as well as the challenges of mixed use? And at the end of the day, it's all about the residents, the tenants, and the consumers. Well, we have the pleasure today to talk to some of the leading mixed use developers in the country about their views on mixed use development in the new economy. Please welcome Art Lomanick, President, Real Estate Development, The Integral Group a full-service development, real estate advisory, and investment management firm, and a leading innovator in the field of urban infill mixed-use developments. They've completed more than 50 developments with a total development cost exceeding $2 billion across the U.S. and the Caribbean. Art, welcome to the Commercial Real Estate Show. Thank you, Michael. Also, please welcome Mike Cohn, Executive Vice President, Cousins Properties. Cousins is a leading diversified real estate company with extensive experience in development, acquisition, financing, management, and leasing. Cousins is an equity REIT trading on the New York Stock Exchange under the symbol CUZ. Mike, thanks for joining us today. Nice to be here, Michael. Also, please welcome Emmerich Corsi, President, Forest City Real Estate Services. Forest City is a leading owner, operator, and developer of distinctive real estate projects, including hundreds of properties throughout the U.S., with a distinct focus on retail office and apartments. They're also well known to bring these property types together in a large mixed-use projects that create a unique sense of place. Emmerich, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, and Art, I'd like to, to start with you, if you will, and, and uh, talk to us about mixed-use developments. How have they performed in comparison to the rest of the market through the recession? And where does mixed-use development stand moving forward in this new economy, if you will? Yeah, thank you, Michael. Uh, from the uh, experience that, that uh, we've had, the mixed-use developments have, have, have hung in there through the recession. There obviously were a victim, and, and, and it's all very market-sensitive. Um, but in places such as, if we, if we use Dallas as an example, kind of right in the middle, um, there's a mixed-use development we were involved in called Legacy Town Center that clearly outperformed um, both housing and retail, um, many of the suburban uh, platforms that were there. Um, bec- and it's the major reason, I, I would say, is because of it being complete. It, it had enough mix of uses and density, both in housing and uh, retail and office, uh, that it was able to sustain itself as a market choice where folks that did want to have the ability to walk walk to, uh, to shopping and to work. What um, year was that uh, delivered? That actually started in 1998. Oh. Um, and so it's been around for a while. Um, but mixed use in general, whether it be urban infill or, or uh, mixed use developments near transit, transferring development obviously has gotten an awful lot of of momentum and continues to for multimodal choices for folks. And um, 
and we, we have seen those tend to hold up better both in, in rents on multifamily and in uh, uh, in occupancy. Retail it, it was heavily challenged um, on some of the projects we were involved in through the through the downturn, um, especially if you were in the beginning phases uh, of a mixed-use development. And Emmerich, what do you see? Uh, Michael, what, we, what we've seen around the country, we are uh, you know big in the mixed-use product, especially in uh, New York City and then uh, Brooklyn and, uh, and Queens. And Los Angeles, San Francisco, you name the big markets. But, you know, we look at mixed use, we look at the big markets because those are the, those are the areas where cities truly understand mixed use. And we, during, you know, during a downturn in the marketplace, these product, the product, the mixed use product in those cities fared extremely well. Uh, both on, you know, the retail, multifamily, and uh, office. And, and, the primary reason that I'm seeing in this is you have younger people who don't want to own cars. They want to be near a transit station and they want to be close. And transit is real key to making these to making these projects work. Uh, we're seeing it in San Francisco. We see it in New York. We're seeing it in Santa Monica, California. Um, it's a lot of younger people driving this. Rents have held up. Uh, extremely well for us, especially in the uh, New York market. Well, that's great. Well, I'm not going to give up my Camaro Z28 for any kind of... (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I live in Cleveland, and I'm not giving up my cars either. (laughs) No, I think some listeners probably think I drive a car on a dirt road with an X on the top, but I really don't. I I just got this nasty look inside that I'm giving up my car. That's right. I saw you pull in today. I know what you drive. (laughs) Mike, what do you see at Cousins? Same thing. I think uh, to the inverse of what -hmm. what Emmerich said, you know, mixed use has a lot of definitions, and, and it seems like all the urban planners in America also had the Truman Show at about the same time and tried to bring some form of mixed use to places where it didn't belong. Um, the, the gateway markets held up well. Um, it's always been a gateway market kind of lifestyle. But if, if you get into some into more suburban markets like you've seen around here in Atlanta or in suburban Dallas or Houston, for example, in the, in the wrong places, um, poorly thought out mixed use from 2005 would still be struggling today because the fundamentals didn't exist then and, and exist a little better to now in a better housing market, retail still struggles. But but for urban, true urban mixed use over time, um, it's it's not a new product type. It's it's how most cities in the in the country have developed and it's very well received and, yeah. and holds up well. Mike, you brought up a great point because when you get into with urban planners, they think mixed use you can put in cities that have not experienced a mixed-use product, and you do have problems. I mean, it's like putting a uh, lifestyle center out in a cornfield. They don't work. That's right. And what are you guys seeing with the entitlement process right now? Are planning and zoning participants more open to mixed-use, and and why should they be? A couple of things. You know, a a difficult entitlement process is still a difficult entitlement process, but I do think that that, um, city planners, as opposed to urban planners in suburban areas, understand the erosion of the tax base pretty well and and understand that that there's a distinct difference between a failed project on a site a multifamily project on a site and a, and a project on a site with a mix of commercial uses adding a adding a better tax base and so um, entitlements can still be difficult but we are seeing more to some extent flexibility in design a little better process a better understanding of allowing the developer to do things mechanically um, and how the pro- project functions that maybe we couldn't have gotten away with 
five or six years ago when, when planners tended to be more purist and, and draw a harder line. But um, like I said, a difficult process is still, is still a difficult process. It's just you get through it a little bit more easily. Yeah, I, I totally agree with what you said there. This is Emmerich. And um, the, the only thing that I that would add to that is the fact that when you do have a downturn in the economy, it tends to bring together all groups. Whether you're a developer or a city planner or the mayor of a major city, people start looking at things differently because they're all in need of a tax base. So, you know, the, the, you still have the entitlement process to go through. You can't circumvent it. But a project that would typically take you, especially big ones, big urban projects, uh, uh, mixed use, where it could take you anywhere from 8 to 12 years to execute, you can start to reduce the, the upfront due diligence on those projects because you do have a better work, I would say, a, 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 re, a relationship of need at that point. And what would you tell them quickly? We're short on the break, but what would you tell uh, the people in these these cities about the benefits of mixed-use development? Well, uh, this, this is Art. I, um, I, I think that I agree with Emmerich that there have been a lot of municipalities that have really gotten it, gotten it even 10 years ago and started to put tools in place to deal with their infrastructure issues and the public realm. And that was really the big missing piece in the early days of mixed use was an understanding from the municipalities uh, how important it was that they be the keepers of the public realm, streets, sidewalks, pocket parks, those kinds of things, that the connectivity factors that are really important. And so we, we have seen communities that get that, and then there's others that are still you know, in their evolution of catching up on that. Right. They may have a little more expenses, but they have a huge tax base uh, from from the new development, right? Well, we're going to take a quick break. We'll get more on the future of mixed-use developments on the Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by your friends at Bull Realty. When your business requires proven performance, visit bullrealty.com or call 800 800- Four zero eight bull. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. If you'd like to know the absolute latest on any commercial real estate related topics, check out our on-demand show podcast. For example, we had a recent show featuring strategies for banks and lenders related to distressed assets. We also produce separate shows providing forecasts on the office, retail, industrial, and multifamily sectors. And be sure to catch an enlightening show we did last week on how the tax changes of 2013 may affect the commercial real estate industry. You can access these shows anytime on your smartphone or computer. Just visit iTunes or the show website, commercialrealestateshow.com. Well, today we're exploring the mixed-use development in the new economy. My guests are Art Lomenick, Mike Cohn, and Emmerich Corsi. And uh, uh, Mike, tell us about mixed-use development. Where is it headed? How is it evolving? What are some of the trends you're seeing out there? Thanks. I think it's it's evolving in a, in a couple of places. One place where it's evolving is the, the forethought that's given to each of the product types. A lot of mixed-use that was done before the downturn was either in, done by an apartment developer. Typically, people think of apartments and retail as the more traditional form of mixed use or you know, residences above, above retail. And, and you either had a residential developer who was doing retail on the ground because he had to or a retail developer who was doing residences above because 
that's what the planning and zoning office made them do. But they, but both sides weren't really completely thought out. I think, I think what you're, what you're seeing going forward is a much more forethought given to each of the uses and how they work and how they function together. And, and even in, in partnerships where interests are, are more aligned and better related for, for each of the, the development partners. So that on the, on the developer side, that's, that's been an evolution uh, on, on the retailer side, we're coming out of, of out of a, an era where retailers could literally satisfy a, a decade of store requirements by going out to the suburbs and doing store after store after store, next interchange, next interchange, next interchange, prototype, prototype, prototype. And you didn't have to put a square peg in a round hole because you could fill your subscription with, with square pegs, and there were plenty of them. Now, as suburban development has slowed, if not almost completely stopped, um, we're living in a world of round holes. And most retailers from um, from as large as Walmart with urban stores, Target with two-level urban stores, down to um, quick-serve restaurants and other uh, medical uses, um, drug stores, all fig- figuring out a way to fit their footprint within the confines of, uh, of a residential building with retail on the ground floor. Right. And Art? Uh, yes, I've, uh, I, uh, the master development process has gotten to be more understood and how critical that is. So I agree that's been a, an important part of the evolution where from the private side and the public, um, there's a recognition to bring those development concepts by increment to the table right up front from the, uh, from the private side so that you don't get the exercise that's been historically done of a lot of planning and charrettes and drawing that end up not having market reality as part of their process. So. I think some of that in, in the evolution is, is important. And Amber? Yeah, I think, you know, what it's done, and I, and, I, and I have to go back to, you know, a statement I made before about a downturn of an economy tends to bring out the best in everybody, and it starts to bring everybody to the table, especially the private sector and the public sector, that instead of looking at one another as the enemy, it's a better planning process. And, you know, we've been able to take from what we've done in New York City and uh, – San Francisco on major retail and uh, office projects that you really have to have an understanding of all your customers. And without that understanding, you never get to the uh, plate of completing a, or the point to completing a project. So, you know, while a lot of retailers talk about we're going to reduce the size of our footprint, hold on for a while because they say it coming in, but the fact of the matter is they still want bigger stores. They have to figure out how to move product out. A lot of them have tested smaller stores. And while it is, it might be successful in one market, it may not be in another market, only from the standpoint they can't get the number of SKUs in there. Uh, what we're seeing on the, the uh, mixed use on this is the fact that what's a real big seller here is the type of mixes you're able to put together for a mixed use project, you know, on the um, – uh, uh, residential side, office side. You know, we just finished a project in New York City where we have a school, hospital, see, school, hospital, retail, and and the uh, world's tallest uh, apartment building in the Western Hemisphere, 72 stories. It's uh, in New York City, but it all operates together. So you have all these very specific uses when you look at a hospital, school, retail, and then apartments. And are these developments done better by by one developer or or partners who has specific uh, experience in one sector coming together? 
Um, this is Emmerich. Uh, you know, there's certain projects where, you know, because we're a vertically integrated company where we, we do all the auto, all the product types, um, we like to do, do these uh, projects um, on our own. But I think going forward, you may see some sharing where we may not want to do the office or somebody has a better relationship uh, with, with retailers in a marketplace uh, where they may have brought them in, or, or maybe they do apartments better in that market where we're not doing apartments. I, I think you're going to see a lot more um, JVs going forward because it makes sense. These projects are very, very expensive. Okay. And are there any uh, types of use that are in more demand in mixed use right now? I mean, I, I realize that apartment rentals are in high demand, but are there other uses like entertainment or any things that you're seeing more demand for uh, at all? Yeah, this is Mike. I think um, for, for a traditional um, multifamily retail mixed use, I think one of the things that's changing about the retail merchandising is, I, I used to say when we, we, when we were doing big suburban projects, these projects are designed for the way we shop. I think now that we're doing more urban mixed-use projects, uh, the retail world is changing. I think the projects are more merchandised for the way we live. So you see services for the local residents and for the surrounding community, a lot of restaurants and food options um, for people who live there and people who who, who can drive there. Um, maybe some healthcare, either a medical office or a drugstore, um, and and those kinds of and those kinds of things. And that, that'd be in a smaller mixed-use project. Emmerich probably has a different a different take on that with some of the some of the more gateway stuff they've done but but uh, i think in the in the south and the sun belt you're really you're really seeing almost the the mixed use deal is becoming the modern lifestyle center and emrick yeah, what do you see um oh i'm sorry yeah this is art yeah art. well i was just going to say some of it it relates back to scale as well um if the way that we've always viewed a mix a true mixed use development um is in is in a a bigger radius, if you will, whether it's near a transit node or it's a it's its own village, is in terms of thinking of thousands of residents and a couple million feet of office and half a million feet of retail, and a place that can evolve over time, which could be ten years, could be thirty years, but that evolves into a place that's sustainable in its own right, and so you're going to be going through cycles to achieve that outcome, and that's why the public part of the, this equation is so important because you might have one development in one year that's a product type that's hot that can be filled in. Um, but over time, you really have to have all of the uses come together. And the public venues are fantastic. Yeah, I, Emmerich, I, I agree with Emmerich. We've been fortunate to work with cities that wanted their city hall embedded in there or other public venues, conference centers, um, performing arts. And so that's a, that's a, a part of a, a new evolution, too, that's really going to be important. Right. Well, stay with us. We're going to take a short break. We'll have more on the future of mixed-use development. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Sometimes opportunity comes along because you're at the right place at the right time. A commercial redevelopment site on Peachtree Street in Buckhead, Atlanta, appraised for $7.5 million, is now available for $5 million. For more information, visit the homepage at bullrealty.com or call 800-408-BULL.
Welcome back. I'm Michael Ball, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like the easy button to attract more visitors to your website? Well, you can now download a free widget providing your site visitors access to informative commercial real estate show videos and audio podcasts right on your website. Just visit commercialrealestateshow.com and look for the widget on the homepage. It's free and it works automatically. Today, we're exploring mixed-use development in the new economy. My guests are Art Lomanick, Mike Cohn, and Emric Corsi. And Emric, can you talk to us about the effect on a mixed-use development where you have rental apartments versus condo sales? How does that affect the, the entire development? Well, for us, Michael, uh, we like to stay in the rental market no matter what uh, portion of mixed use we are building. And the reason we do that is it's all, you know, at the end of the day, you're going to own it and you want the cash flow coming from it. And when you're doing condos, it's a, you know, one-time pop. You build a building and you're kind of done with it. Uh, So what we see is the fact that when you have a rental market versus the condo market, and you have a mixed-use project, the worst thing you could have is a condo association getting together to tell you what you're going to be doing on the rest of your project for the rest of your life. So we like to stay outside of the condo market, and we like to see the rental market. What we see on the mixed-use development, though, is when you do have it on the rental, it tends to spike it up for a premium versus a standalone you know, residential unit someplace. Right. That's what, you know, when our parents retire, you ask them, uh, what are they going to do? They say, oh, we're going to go down to Florida or somewhere. We're going to buy a condo, get on the association, so we can control other people's lives. Right. That's exactly right. (laughs) And, uh, Mike, uh, what do you see on rental versus uh, condo? Same thing that same thing that, that mm-hmm. Emmerich does. I, I, yeah. I think I think as a REIT, we like cash flow and recurring mm-hmm. income, and and also with condos, a lot of developers rushed into condos um, without a lot of without a lot of investigation. There's kind of all these warranties that kind of stain you for years and years afterwards that that um, are still problematic all these years later after shoddy construction and stuff. Well, speaking of that, what are some of the mistakes that that you should avoid in a mixed use development that that happened in the past that now you know to avoid today? Um, I, I think it starts with putting it in the right spot. I think mm-hmm. I think that that um, and, and 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 to a large extent, you know, f- your financing is going to drive that today. It's still very difficult to get mixed use in the wrong spot, non-urban areas financed. So a lot a lot of that stuff has been taken out of the market. Um, the, the second piece of it was not really understanding one of the product types, and and maybe having, as I mentioned earlier, having a core discipline in one and an afterthought in another, and then, and then uh, th- thirdly, not really understanding how it relates to the greater community at large, to mass transit, to the government, to the existing flow of population, daytime, daytime population, and to how important that overall community is to your success, not just your captured audience. Right. No, I, I totally agree with that. I think mass transportation, in particular, uh, yesterday and today, it plays a massive role in the success of these projects. And can't agree with Mike more than, you know, the fact of the matter is understanding your product type that you're going to be putting in there. Well, guys, tell us, uh, what does a good site look like? If you had your perfect site for mixed-use development that we could bring you today, what's that site look like? Grand Central Station. (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I'll I'll bring you a contract today. (laughs) Well, I, I really think it depends on the market. And you know, you know, when you look at a market, what is the, you know, what does the market have to offer? Is there, do they have transit? Do they have a uh, a growing uh, um, downtown population base? Is the is the office market healthy? We look at the the entire market first, and we try to review those metrics to figure out, 
you know, is this a good office market? Is it a good residential market? Is it a city that wants to cooperate? And is it a city that would invite development? Um, I mean, those are some of the key key things we would look at. But what are some cities that we could uh, bring you that you'd have interest in? Uh, anything in San Francisco, Los Angeles, Washington, Boston, Chicago, New York. Those are those are really the big driver cities right now. Mm-hmm. Cities with water, with water. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're excluding Las Vegas. Well, we knew this was going to be a good show today because in the studio we're drinking smart water. So love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is our, we we um, I, obviously the, the coasts and the gateway cities are very active and, and very high barriers to entry, so they're they're, they're good. But but we uh, we take on other major markets that are in their evolution um, to become gateway cities. So you take a Dallas, Texas, or an Atlanta, Georgia, Denver, Colorado. Um, even Austin, Texas, which would be a second tier, but these are places that uh, we see a lot of future in, and you, you know you do have to be part of the solution in those, um, and that's that's where we we uh, we tend to gravitate to, as, as well as the Carolinas and up into Washington D.C. Okay, and we have listeners all over the country, so uh, the information to contact our guest today is on the show website if you've got a site that you want to put in front of them. All right, we're going to take a quick break. More on the future of mixed-use development. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. The Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you in part by France Media. France Media provides exposure to the world of commercial real estate. Visit francemediainc.com or call 404-832-8262. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We have some very interesting shows coming up for you, including a show featuring updates and forecasts on the single-tenant net lease investment market, a show sharing strategies for investing in the distressed market, and be sure to tune in for a show delving into commercial real estate auctions. Be sure to catch shows of special interest to you. Sign up for once-a-week email announcing the show topic at commercialrealestateshow.com. Today, we're exploring the mixed-use development in the new economy. My guests are Art Lomenick, Mike Cohn, and Emmerich Corsi. And, uh, Mike, I'd like to ask you about the types of tenants. Uh, who, is, who, are, who are the tenants that are most active out there now for mixed-use developments? Well, without, without being difficult, I think all, all tenants are active in, mm-hmm. in mixed-use development because, for, for the most part, um, with limited exception, mi- mixed-use, more urban development is really the only kind of development that's that's getting done today that, in, that involves um, retail other than kind of repopulating fortress malls. Um, and most mixed-use developments have a number of number of user classes. There's quick-serve restaurants, um, some healthcare, a specialty grocer. Um, you might see in, in a mixed-use development stuff that provides an amenity to our lives and to the people who live in the development and to the people who live who live near the development. And starting to see um, some fashion come back to mixed-use developments. And obviously, um, you, you go to New York or Chicago or you know L.A. High Street retail, Boston, Miami is very fashionable today 
and and a, a lot of a lot of high fashion um, in mixed use developments in those gateway cities on a, on a block by block, almost lot by lot kind of basis. That's interesting. I thought you were going to say you're seeing more fashion in the studio here with my clothes today. No, no, I'm the only one in studio, and I, I'll plead the fifth on that on that question. All right. Well, Emric, how is uh, tenant demand? What are you seeing for demand, and how picky and price sensitive are they? Um, everything, you know, it's, it's, it's very interesting because while everybody says we want to be in the CBD, uh, you have, it's, it's not unlike um, going into the suburbs. Locations have to be right. They have to be close to the population. And you're typically dealing with a large, when you're dealing with larger tenant on multi-levels. And when you're dealing on multi-levels, the floor plates have to be sized correctly. So if you're dealing with a Target, for example, or a Best Buy where you want to put them on one or two floors, and in some cases three floors, you have to make sure that there's an efficiency for their ability to make their sales. So they're running their projections on return on investment just like we would run ours. Because in a suburb, you can build a, you know, a, a, a store for, let's say, 100 bucks a foot. When you're in the CBD, you're at 250 to $300 a foot. They're very expensive stores to build. And, and they are price sensitive. So, I mean, the negotiation takes a long time where you may be dealing with um, uh, buy-downs on the rent. So, you know, for a retailer, they may put cash into the deal saying, look, you know, we're going to put X amount of dollars in, but our rent has to be this. So there, you have to be very creative on the on the overall deal and you really have to understand how they're going to going to complete their sales are you finding enough demand uh that you're getting enough tenants to commit up front and and how much pre-leasing uh do you generally like to see in a development well when it comes to the retail we we always want to be pre-leased at around 65 percent and you're seeing enough demand to to get enough commitment out there oh yeah okay i think if you you know like i said before you're in the right area. You have the right location. It all boils down to location, location, location. Okay. Um, demand is there. They're willing to pay. And it's a combination, I think Mike said before, you know, entertainment. Um, and we define entertainment of health clubs, restaurants, movie theaters. Right. And you talk about the right location. Are, are you able to find suitable sites now? And, and how are you finding pricing and uh, in the marketplace? Well, once again, if we think of, of major markets or, or markets in the middle of the U.S., or not even just in the middle, but say from Carolinas, Atlanta, Dallas, Austin, Denver type cities, Phoenix, um, it, you know, we are very focused on looking for, for opportunities and for sites and finding uh, proactive cities um, that are very much wanting to create a tectonic shift in how their cities grow, um, even if they're first ring and second ring cities around major markets, then those are places we look. Transit is a very important part of what we're focused on, transferring and development, and spend a lot of time at the national and local levels working with the initiatives for that. Um, Assemblage is very tough around those areas, uh, and the market has made its way back as far as expectations of landowners. So it is not an easy task. Right. Well, we just were taken to uh, market a, a piece of land on Peachtree Street, in Atlanta, that'd be great for for mixed use development. It's interesting; it appraised in a worse market for seven and a half million. We're putting it on the market for five million. So I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, how much demand. It seems like in some cities, uh, the prices 
are still real good. And and speaking of prices, guys, how's the debt and equity market right now for uh, mixed-use development? I think with the right pre-leasing, and the, it, it's, it's very good. Um, there's not a lot of pre-leasing required in the in the multifamily arena, obviously, but mm-hmm. but with the right pre-leasing on 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 the office or, or retail side, there, there's there's aggressive debt to be had for for appropriately sized projects for for the markets that we've been talking about. Yeah, I think it really depends on size of project, mm-hmm. scope of the project, and how many banks you're going to have to have in the line. But everything, like Mike said, boils down to the pre-leasing of the project. Yeah, that's true. You've got to have got to have the tenants in place to get the the lenders competing, right? All right, we're gonna to have to take a quick break, and we're gonna have more on the mixed use development projects for you. I'm Michael Bull. This is the Commercial Real Estate Show. We'll be right back. Does your company provide professional services to the commercial real estate industry? The Commercial Real Estate Show is an excellent way to reach your target audience. For advertising options, visit CommercialRealEstateShow.com or call 888-612-SHOW. Welcome back. I'm Michael Bull, and this is the Commercial Real Estate Show. You know, you may be listening to this show anywhere from Portugal to Hawaii today. This show has been broadcast around the world for two and a half years on the radio, iTunes, and the show website. Well, in January, the show was also picked up by the Wall Street Business Network in 10 major radio markets across the U.S. So wherever you are today, thanks for joining us. Today, we're exploring mixed-use development. My guests are Art Lomenick, Mike Cohn, and Emmerich Corsi. And, uh, gentlemen, I'd like to ask you about a, a current or, or a planned mixed-use development development you're involved in, and if you're open to opportunities to, uh, for funding uh, other developers uh, or tenants. Uh, Mike? Sure. We uh, just last week received rezoning in Chapel Hill, North Carolina for a mixed-use deal on campus at the University of North Carolina, um, which would be multifamily office and retail. And so we're going now through the permitting and um, design approval process. Um, hope to break ground on it early next year, and um, it will be a new gateway to the university as well as kind of a town square for the the town of Chapel Hill. Okay, Art. Uh, well, we're we've actually got a number of of new opportunities in those markets I mentioned, as well as actually uh, two Northern California mixed income mixed use opportunities, one in San Francisco, one in Sacramento. That uh, they're dealing with maybe one of the great frontiers out there for mixed use, and that's an affordability quotient. And Integral has a 20-year history of of actually reinventing pretty t- tired areas of cities into vibrant mixed-use, mixed-income areas like Centennial Park in Atlanta, for example. And uh, so we we are uh, we are about to kick off two different projects uh, in Northern Cal, as well as looking at a number of things in. Uh, Dallas, Austin, and in uh, Atlanta. Okay, and Emmerich, how about at Forest City? Uh, you know, we have several projects going on in um, Washington, D.C., in uh, San Francisco, in Oakland, and, uh, uh, you know, some of the bigger projects that we are working on in Oakland, California, Coliseum City, the answer is it's 720 acres, so yes, we're interested in developers uh, coming in to join us. You know, everybody's interested in money, so you know, if there are people out there who want to, you know, banks that want to fund, hedge funds that want to fund, I mean, we're, you know, you're always on the look for that. Uh, so some of the things that we're doing are, are fairly large projects. Uh, what we've learned in the past is sometimes it's better to share the pie than 
to keep the whole pie. Right. Okay. Well, our time has to end soon uh, for the show today. And before we go, can you leave us with a quick closing tip, Mike? Yeah. Last time I was here for the retail show, I, I told people to keep shopping. So now that now that we're doing the mixed use show, I'll say sell your house, rent an apartment, and keep shopping. <laughs> okay. And Art? Uh, you know, I would say uh, get involved. It, it sounds cliche, but there's never been a more important time to get involved with the public side of the equation. You know, we always think of public as those folks. Well, it's really all of us. And so either helping out elected officials and staff or getting out there and you get elected. But there's going to have to be some pretty tough decisions made in our in our cities and our communities about where tax dollars get spent. Um, and a lot of that tension is really showing up, and it's going to get more and more aggressive. All right. And Emrick, a, a quick tip for us? Well, I two things. One, understand the public sector, because if you don't understand the public sector, you'll never make it through the process. You need them, we, and they need us. Two is, when you're looking at a mixed-use development in any CBD, make sure you are you know, looking at the location, 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 because not every building was made for a mix of uses. Very good point. Well, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today and sharing your insight with our listeners. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. And I have an invitation for you as a listener. Can you join us next week? We'll be exploring what might be the hottest sector in commercial real estate, the single-tenant net lease investment market. Well, thank you for joining us today. I'm Michael Bull, and until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh, and join us for the Commercial Real Estate Show. The Commercial Real Estate Show is made available by professionals at Cone Resnick, BB&T, France Media, and Bull Realty. For more information about these companies or to access additional show podcasts or videos, visit commercialrealestateshow.com.